Hi, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm your host, Asher Cohen, and let's get real about topics concerning business to interpersonal relationships. Let's go. In this episode, I'm being interviewed by Arthur Shalomov with Get Money Smart, and we're going to be answering five questions. Number one, what is the biggest challenge for sellers in 2020? Number two, do I wait for the market to crash? Three, do you need a realtor? Number four, what improvements increase value? And number five, why the highest offer doesn't always win? My name is Art Shalomov, and this is Get Money Smart. We're talking about building wealth, managing debt, and saving money. Today, I interviewed Asher Cohen, the director of sales for True Realty. This interview is packed with tips for the sellers and information about the current real estate market. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for having me on, Art. Uh, I'm Asher Cohen. I'm the CEO and team lead for the BuyAZRE team at True Realty. And I'm also the director of sales at True Realty. And I uh, coach and train and mentor agents in the Arizona market. Nice. Well, we, well I'm excited to have you and actually have uh, this interview with you. Um, so um, you're known as the guy that sells homes, they sell very quickly. We, uh, we see you on social media. So I want to chat with you today just to kind of pick your brain and, and, and um, help people understand what's going on with the market, uh, what's selling, um, you know, just kind of like the, uh, uh, we want to get, provide some uh, good insights about what's going on in the market. So um, first things first, right? We know it's a hot market. Everything is selling, right? But what is the biggest challenge in today's market? Yeah, it is super hot. I would say the biggest challenge right now is making sure that buyers are getting to the finish line. So when you're getting multiple offers on your property, what is your agent doing to ensure that you're selecting the best buyer, not just the highest bidder? You know, so we're seeing a lot of offers being written um, on behalf of buyers on multiple properties because they go so quickly. So when that's occurring, you know, how do we know that that buyer is actually going to be 100% you know, committed to accept and move forward on the property that you know, they're, they're placing an offer on? So I would say though, that's one of the things that we're seeing um, from the you know, downsides or why it could be challenging right now for sellers in the marketplace. Yeah, that, that's such a good point that you make. It's not always the, the highest bidder, right? You wanna get someone that's actually a good buyer and it, and is, uh, it is able to close the deal, right? So yeah, what, exactly. what are those, some of the things you look at uh, to make sure that's, that's, the, that's the buyer that you've got? Like, what do, you, what do you look at? How do you determine that? Yeah, well, our process is making sure that we're having a conversation with the buyer's agent, uh, figuring out and almost like pre-qualifying the family or individual that is the buyer. So how long have they been looking? You know, have they been writing a lot of offers? How long has this process been going on for? But even more important than that is understanding how they're buying the property. If they're not paying cash, which is just an easy proof of funds that they can provide us, they're providing a pre-qualification form, which, you know, you provide all day, every day for so many people. And we're analyzing that pre-qualification form, but we're also calling on behalf of our seller to that lender. 
and we're asking a series of questions that will make sure that we get the warm and fuzzies that we can translate and get that back to the seller. So for example, you know, if it says that they didn't look at all the documents that they need to for the buyer, but they did issue that pre-qualification, we're going to ask, you know, why haven't you looked at them yet? Or if they have looked at them, how deep did they go with everything, right? Did they get a pre-qualification or did they get a pre-approval? And you've taught me the difference and, and understanding that. So we want to go really deep with that lender to make sure that they have the reserves ready to go. They're really qualified. And sometimes I'm asking straight up to the lender, are there any red flags that we need to be made aware of in case the right. offer that they submitted since it was a lot higher than list price, you know, about the appraisal, right? right. Appraisal is another, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that in a few moments here too, but we want to make sure that that buyer is super solid um, financially and they're looking at all that debt and looking at all that, you know, all those details. It's so interesting. You, you, uh, you bring up really good points. I was talking to uh, somebody earlier this week. They weren't sure whether they wanted to buy or sell. They were leaning more towards selling. And I said, well, do you guys have an agent you guys are going to use? And I'm like, well, this is a hot market. Why do I need an agent? I can just put up a sign in my front yard and the home will sell. So all, all those things that you just mentioned um, actually speak for what the agent does. Um, and it doesn't mean necessarily that, hey, I can just put up a sign in my front yard and the home will sell. But there's, there's a, there's a, sounds like there's a lot more to it than just putting up a sign in the front yard. 100%. And yes, that seller um, in that situation could pro probably sell their home, but they're thinking they're selling their home, but really what they're doing is they're just getting an offer on their home. You know, it's easy to get excitement or a buzz or activity on a home that might be for sale, whether off market or on market. But what happens after that, that's where agents are really shining right now. The agents that understand the process and understand how to navigate and help their seller navigate to the finish line. Right. Right. It, it, it is easy to get excitement over a house right now because there's low inventory. Yeah. Right. But how do you get to the finish line and how do you not leave any money on the table and what's normal during the inspection and what are the ways that you can protect yourself? Yeah. The inspection part of it seems to be the, the big caveat, uh, also part of the transaction, uh, and deals seem to fall apart uh, during because of the inspections. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to share one thing that I just thought of that is really interesting. So, like we discussed before, that it's not always the highest offer that wins. So we had a a listing where we had multiple offers on it, and the winner um, they actually tied in regards to purchase price with someone else. Right. But what really got the seller's attention, which you rarely see is that the buyer was paying X amount of dollars towards the seller's closing costs. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. So why they did that is because we already knew that the appraisal could be an issue and the buyer was more than willing to pay above that, but they just didn't want to cause any issues. So they thought, okay, how can we work around this? So they waived their appraisal contingency anyway. Right. And they also said that they're going to put X amount of dollars towards the seller's closing costs. That is so clever. I, I, I like that because yeah. you're, you're at the end of the day, you're looking at what am I, if I'm a seller, I'm looking at my, my bottom line 
and you don't want to bid up the price too high because you're worried about the appraisal. But if you're contributing towards the closing costs, right, it, it, it works out. It does. That's, and, that's, and it really, it was one of those, like, again, the strategy behind it. So your agent matters more than ever than before in today's market, more on the strategy um, when they're helping represent you. I mean, the marketing side of things for certain homes, obviously, they're not being marketed for months on end because of low inventory, but that depends on the market and depends on the house itself, obviously. But when it comes to marketing, just because things are moving quickly, we have stayed true to our process. The, the professional photography, you know, the coming soon campaign, making sure people are aware of the home, the video, the social media campaigns, the list goes on, but we stayed true to that to be consistent throughout every step of the way. I love it. So speaking of inventory, uh, very commonly people ask, is it the time to sell? Because we're, I mean, everything is selling so high now, right? So the common question is, do I sell now and wait for the crash, right? Quote, unquote. Uh, or do I, uh, uh, or do I not sell and just hang tight? Um, what are you seeing? Like, why would I want to sell? Why would, wouldn't I want to sell? What's the, what's the right move for today's market? Yeah, today's market is definitely interesting. Um, not just because the market's hot, but people's needs in homes have changed over the last six months. So we have a lot of different moving parts going on right now. And I would say that it's very situational. You know, to sell a home just because it's top of the market, where are you going? Yeah. Because if you're buying a home that's top of the market, then did you just make a lateral move or did you make a move that makes sense for you when it comes to either wealth building or just what's best for you and your family? So it's situational. And even, you know, today we, we were joking around about, you know, it's, um, you know, almost like save my cash for the crash. Okay. Right. This is a saying that we're like, right. And, and it's a big question, right? Like if there is there a crash coming, what's happening at the end of the day, we all need to live under some sort of shelter. Right. So your home is your shelter. Your home is your palace. So, you know, what is the situation at home? And then let's figure it out because there's so many different ways to go. It's not just about sell than buy, right? It's, it's, do you need a different home for yourself or your family? And, and then we help, we'll help you figure that out though, right? It's part of that conversation. But yes, the reason to sell right now is you will get top dollar for it for today. Right. But what is, what is tomorrow? Bring? Yeah. And you, yeah. and, the, and you can't really say, because Phoenix is positioned in a, such a good way right now. We've got uh, very different from a lot of other big cities. We've got an influx of people moving from a lot of states. In comparison to other large cities in the United States, Phoenix is still has still has affordable housing, believe it or not. And uh, a lot of big companies are moving here. So this is not like 2006, 2008, 2009, where things were, you know, little shaky. In addition to that, on our on the lending side, uh, it's not so simple to get a loan either, like it was in two thousand eight. Um, so I, I, you know, I know these conversations, uh, they they you have them at least a couple of times a week about people asking what's going to happen with the market, uh, and what's going on with Phoenix. I I personally believe that um, Phoenix is positioned in a in a in a really good way to where, uh, and it's all about. 
migration patterns, right? Some, some people are losing people um, and Phoenix is actually growing. The higher the demand, right? The higher the, uh, uh, the prices get, right? Is that how it works? definitely works that way especially with that third variable is inventory yeah so you know the key trends and you know even the video that i posted today from two years ago what a coincidence today marks two years when we had a conversation about people that were were having a a tendency to feel as if they should definitely either sell or wait for a crash to happen and obviously it didn't happen right yeah. So, you know, it's interesting, but yeah, those key trends like you mentioned, so we have a huge amount of demand for relocation to the state for our weather, for our lifestyle, and for just the cost of living overall. And then we have low inventory, we have low interest rates, right? We have high buyer demand. So it, it's a really a good perfect storm where there's advantages for buyers. There's definitely advantages for sellers. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to each person's unique situation. Right. You, they, you have, really have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what is it that I'm needing? And if nothing, then stay put. You know, if, if you're needing a different home, then let's make a move, yeah. right? And let's, yeah. help, and let's help put the game plan together for you. But if you're not needing to make a move, you know, why? Right. So speaking of making the move, uh, here's a question for you. At so, I'm on the lending side. Um, I talk to people every single day. Lots of people are refinancing. The most one of the most common questions that I get asked is, "Okay, I want to refinance. I've got a lot of equity in my property. Do I pull cash out and rehab?" So there's going to be a two-part question to this. So just follow me here for, for a minute. So do I cash out and improve my property? Or do I do I just sell it, and um, and and then find something find something else? So the and the other part is if I do improve it, what would be the best uh, parts of the house? I should say what what improvements do I make that would give me the biggest bang for my buck? Yeah, so um, let's start with that one. That that's an easy one to segue into. You know, if you're, if you have money to put into your home, whether you're looking to enhance it for yourself or you want to get the biggest bang for your buck and you are getting ready to sell it, you know, one thing is we are noticing that yes, it is a super fast moving, low inventory market, but we, but we still see things sitting on the market. Okay. Let's be realistic. It's not all just flying off the shelf. When it's more move in ready, it's going to fly off the shelf. But we're noticing, I would say in the last two weeks, we are seeing things having price reductions and not selling as quickly. And mm. specifically to those homes, and there's not many of them, but specifically to those homes, we are seeing that they're not move-in ready. Now, what does move-in ready look like to the average buyer that's constantly watching HGTV and on Pinterest <laughs> and, you know, looking at the, looking at all the grams, right? So kitchen bathrooms have always been known to be the money makers of a home. Okay. It's where you're spending the kitchens where you're spending a lot of time. Sometimes it could be the bathroom too, but you're spending a lot of time in the kitchen. You want a nice spa-esque bathroom to go into, to enjoy, right? Flooring, big, big contributor. Okay. And paint. Now it's in, paint is interesting 
because it can really throw a home off. For example, if it's crisp and clean and it feels new, then that will have a feeling of move-in ready, okay? Now let's go back to feelings because emotions are where it's driven because it's not always investment properties. So if we know that people are doing this and it's emotionally tied, how do we create something that feels good? And paint is interesting because it's one of the least expensive things to do, but you really gain a lot from it. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. You get more attention. It feels bigger. It feels brighter. It feels more welcoming, right? So I would say those, so going back, kitchen, bathrooms, flooring, paint are huge. Now, right now, we've definitely seen where if you're able to close up an open office or an open den to create an additional bedroom or office where it's more enclosed, that will help you in today's world specifically. Mm-hmm. And, be, and then um, curb appeal is important, but also the backyard, right? Um, people are spending more time at their properties right now. So they want to at least have a vision. So if it's not a perfect backyard, but you can provide some sort of rendering a vision of what it could be, um, that will also go a long way. But is that the whole thing, backyard thing? I agree. I like to, I like to have a nice backyard. But the backyard, is that just kind of like a, like a trend for now, like a temporary thing? Or do you, does, has that always been the, the case? Because right now, people are spending a lot more time at the house. So yes, I see that back, people love the backyards. But is that just temporary or has it always been the case? It is a trend today. Mm-hmm. It's all we know is of today and yesterday. So yesterday, meaning more of, let's call it 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, when we were all trying to like pick ourselves up from being down, okay? No one wanted any maintenance. No one wanted the extra expense. Right. They wanted low maintenance, no expense. I'm going to focus on my family and going to work, making money, maybe traveling a little bit, okay? But what we're noticing is this is what's happening now. So if it's happening now, we, we have to ride the wave. We have to understand what buyers are looking for. Yep. We have to get inside their heads. So if I've got, let's say, if I'm doing a cash out refinance, I got $30,000 and I get to pick between kitchen, bathrooms, flooring, and the backyard, I would cross the backyard <laughs> out if I'm going to be selling yes. the property anytime soon, right? Yes. I would, I, would, I would choose between flooring, kitchen, and bathrooms. Yes. And paint, don't forget actually, the paint. paint. Yeah, the paint's got to go first. Yeah, uh, and I agree to that. Uh, paint is makes a big difference. Um, as long as it's uh, it's it's got to be a neutral color yes. <laughs> that works for everybody, right? Yeah. Or if it doesn't work for everyone, but it's again, it's that feeling when you walk in the home. Because anyone that's listening right now, you know, when you're walking in a home, if you've ever walked in that home, and a lot of you have. And you just feel like they just really didn't take care of the place. But it just could be because the walls are all either not patched up well or there's spills on the walls, et cetera, whatever it is. What can we do to make sure it's, it's looking the best it can? Nice. I love it. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so one last question I have for you. Uh, 
just kind of curious. I know you obviously you do a lot of business, and I uh, uh, I look up to you, to you as a as a realtor and, and a business person. Uh, what do you where do you see the market next year? Because we're we're uh, uh, do you still think that there's growth uh, potential? Do you think that there could be a little bit of a uh, could be a little bumpy? What are your thoughts as far as next next year? Let me get the crystal ball out. Hold on. <laughs> um, well, let's answer that. And then if we need to go back to that original question, which is like the refi and how do we sell and buy and all that, if you want to go back to that. But where I see next year is it, the variables, those trends, right? So if interest rates are considerably low, right? It doesn't have to be exactly where they are right now, but within a point and a half to a point three quarters, let's say, of where they are now and demand is still where it's at today. Um, unemployment, by the way, is another variable we didn't mention yet. And in Arizona, unemployment went from just over 10% in July to uh, just under 6% in wow. August. Okay. Wow. So that's another variable that has a big you know, swing on things as well. Right. But as long as there's jobs and there's people moving here and the inventory, it stays within, let's say five to 8,000 properties on the market. Right. So it could be an additional five to 8,000, any given point than where it is today. Then I would say that we're still going to continue inclining. We're going to in- appreciate over time. It might not be the dramatic, 19, you know, 2019 to 2020 that we've seen, or the beginning of 2020 to third quarter of 2020. Yeah. Because in some markets, we saw a 9% increase. Yeah. It's crazy. From January to August, 9%. It's, it's crazy. So if we're seeing things staying that way, then I would say that we're going to, you know, we might, might level off on the appreciation, but I don't see a crash coming. I don't see a a, um, a problem occurring, right? Now, if there's a flood of inventory that comes to the market, right, then we're going to start leveling off, which is okay. Buyers are going to actually have an opportunity to buy something. Like, you know, you know, too, there are buyers that were actively looking to buy and they said, time out. Yeah. I can't, I can't emotionally take this anymore. Yeah. I've written on five homes, six homes, 10 homes, 11 homes. I just, it's too much for me to handle. I have to take a break. Yeah. Right. People, so yeah, there's buyers that. waiting. Yeah. There's buyers waiting right now. Yeah. So if an invent, so if, even if there's a large flood of homes, there's home, there's people for them. Right. And then where do, where do these large floods of homes come from? Right. That's the other things. People are like, well, we're going to see, People, like what I hear, and you'd probably do too, you know, well, people are going to be delinquent in their mortgages and, and all these rental properties that renters aren't paying their, their rent. So that's going to be the flood of inventory. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. One of the things that I hear is that a, a, lot, of the, uh, a lot of these people that are in forbearance right now, right? Yes, there's a lot of people that are in forbearance, but a lot of them are also making payments. So on the news, when they say, okay, well, all these people are in forbearance, they don't mention that there's actually people that are in forbearance, but they're making payments, right? Right. Um, so the other part was that if 
if all these homes were to come on the market at one time, yes, that's actually, it's going to be a crash, but it's never going to happen all at once because there is going to, it's, it's a slow process. And plus, uh, there's so much demand that if anything's released to the market, right, there's, it's going to get um, absorbed very, very quickly because of the demand. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm, sp- I'm, I'm turning the table here. Okay. <laughs> so I, you, you see a lot more going on than I do in regards to how much people are putting down on their homes. Okay. So I would say that in the last five years and right now, right now, we're seeing a lot more people putting a lot more money down on properties than they did, you know, 07, 08, 06, 07, 08. You didn't have to. You had 100% stated. They didn't have to. Right. But, right. But, and you mentioned before that the guidelines are still strict. But what about the factor of how much, like, are you seeing, what do you see on an average? Like, I'm personally seeing anywhere between, I would say the average I'm seeing with my clients and our team's clients and everything around 15%. We're seeing a lot of 10%. We're seeing a lot of 20%. So I'm going to put that at 15% on average. What are you seeing? I would agree there. Um, it also depends on uh, on the part the part of town has a lot to do with it as well. You're, 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 that you're, that, uh, where the buyer's buying. So um, there's also a lot of move up buyers that have uh, that have had the homes, the big home, or they had a home. They've had a lot of equity. They're selling it. They're taking all that equity and rolling into a bigger property. Um, and then, uh, first-time home buyers, um, I would say five to ten percent down. Yes, a very that's very common. Uh, Which is a lot more than it used to be. Yeah, and we're not seeing a whole lot of down payment assistance programs either. Very, very few. And it's because the you know with down payment assistance, if you make too much money, you don't qualify. If you make too little, uh, too little, then you don't qualify for the loan. Um, right, and it's just the price point. The price points in Phoenix have gone up, so it's much harder for you to buy something in the in the lower price point. So, I yeah, it's um, a, a lot more down payments um, on purchases recently. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so it's just interesting because when I think of if people are putting a lot more down, and even if the market corrected, it declined in value, they would probably still have some equity. Yeah. And it's harder to walk away from a home when you have equity in it versus before you didn't put anything down, right? You got into this home and some of those people, you know, saw a year of appreciation and took more money out and bought some cool stuff with it that who, who, know if they, who knows if they really needed it. And then the market corrected, changed, all these things happened and they had zero equity in their home. And guess what? I'm going to just walk away now. Yeah, I've got I have nothing, to I have nothing vested. Nothing invested in here, right? Yeah. All good stuff, man. I uh, this is all really good information. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, Likewise, <laughs> this is always fun. I like real estate. I know you do too, and I I, I always like to uh, pick your brain and just kind of uh, talk to people that know a lot about real estate. So, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for for your time today. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. We will uh, we'll definitely uh, have to uh, do it again. Appreciate it, Art. Thanks for having me on.
Thank you again for listening to The Real Deal. If you have any other questions or would like to hear The Real Deal on a specific topic, please feel free to write in or contact us. Have a great day.